Chapter Thirteen of Titus, a Comrade of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Titus, a Comrade of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter Thirteen. Whistling softly to himself as he worked, Titus was fastening up some long tendrils of a climbing vine. It was a difficult job and when he had finished his face was quite hot and flushed. He therefore walked slowly across the turf to the fountain, and seating himself on the marble ledge which surrounded it, began plunging his hand and arm into its cool depths, withdrawing it at intervals to wet his curly head. Ah, that cold water, how good it is, he murmured to himself. Then, shaking his head vigorously to rid it of the superfluous drops, he stood up and looked about the garden with great satisfaction. He had been hard at work since early dawn, and as his eyes wandered from the trim shrubbery to the velvet turf, and then on to the masses of brilliant flowers and graceful festoons of vines, he saw nothing to criticize. "'I see nothing amiss,' he said aloud. "'But I know not what Benoni will think. He hath the eye of an eagle for a trace of disorder.' Then, catching sight of some bright-coloured object on the ground, under one of the marble benches, he stooped and picked it up. It was a ball gaily striped with blue, scarlet, and yellow. As he turned it over and over in his hands, he smiled and said, I wonder where the little lady is this morning. Ah, there is Marissa. The maid was passing rapidly through the garden, bearing a pitcher in her hands. She stopped and turned as Titus called to her, and as he came near he noticed that she was unusually grave. Here is a ball belonging to our little lady, he said. Wilt thou take care of it? She hath not been in the garden to play this morning. She is ill, said Marissa soberly. We have sent out for a physician. I am going now for some hot water. Do not keep me. Titus opened the door leading into the passageway, which connected the two courtyards, and followed Marissa as she hastened on with her pitcher. What aileth the little one, he asked, as she paused to dip some water from a steaming cauldron. We know not. She hath fever and complaineth of pain in her head. It hath not been well with her since our return from Jerusalem. Where is the master? asked Titus. He is with the child, answered Marissa, also her mother and old Tabitha, who nursed the mistress in her infancy. She knoweth more about sickness than all the doctors put together. Ugh! I dread to have them come near the child with their loathly nostrums. When I had a fever, they gave me the juice of scorpions mixed with wine. I swallowed it not, but poured out each dose. I thought the medicine would be better in the ground than I myself yet a while. And she hurried away with the steaming pitcher, leaving Titus to tell the sad news of little Ruth's illness to the other servants who had crowded around. He left them as soon as possible, for their society was at best distasteful to him, and now their dismal forebodings and ominous waggings of the head filled him with a kind of dull rage. The stupid rabble, he muttered to himself, they care for nothing so much as to wag their chattering tongues. How they peep and whisper and run with every bit of news, as doth a greedy chicken with a piece of bread. He was wronging them, and in his heart he knew it, for every one about the place loved the little lady, as she was always called. As he paced uneasily up and down, he saw that the door of the passageway leading to the street was standing open, and presently, without exactly knowing why, he found himself outside. Once there he bent his steps toward the quarter of the town where was the poor place he still called home. I must see Stephen, he said to himself, as he hurried along. Meanwhile, in her chamber, which opened upon one of the smaller inner courts of the house, the little Ruth was tossing wearily upon her bed. Oh, mother, my head, my head, she moaned. And the mother, watching by her side, saw with a sinking heart the scarlet flush on the child's cheek, and her eyes hourly growing more sunken and brilliant. 
the good old tabitha was wringing out linen cloths from cold water which she placed upon the sufferer's brow while at intervals she caused them to put the little feet into a basin of hot water we must keep the heat from the darling's head she was saying with the wisdom born of good common sense of long experience i have saved many a fever patient as thou knowest with water alone why doth not the physician come said jairus impatiently i would be doing something for her in the way of medicament the water is well enough but for such a sickness as this medicine is assuredly needful even as he spoke marissa announced the physician standing aside that he might enter before her a tall heavily bearded man magnificently attired swept into the apartment attended by a small black slave bearing the various appurtenances of his craft he greeted jairus ceremoniously then approaching the bedside of the child he looked at her narrowing his eyes pursing up his mouth and frowning deeply as he did so presently he put out his hand and laid it upon the child's head then hemmed loudly the little thing started and hid her face in her mother's gown she hath a burning heat said the great man finally in a deep sonorous voice then he rolled his eyes majestically at tabitha as she was about to place a fresh cool bit of linen on the child's burning forehead and stretched forth his hand forbiddingly woman he said sternly cease thy foolishness water is indeed good in health but thou hast imperilled the child's life by thy folly tabitha turned her broad back upon him and was heard to mutter something unintelligible the physician now beckoned to his slave and taking from him a small brazen vessel he proceeded to mingle in it a number of dark liquids together with a grayish-white powder when he had finished he again turned to his familiar who immediately produced from another receptacle a dead snake this the great man proceeded to skin when he had finished the operation which he performed with marvellous deftness he again hemmed loudly and said thou shalt make of this snake-skin three portions one portion shall be bound upon the forehead of the child and one upon the sole of each foot also of the draught which i have mingled give her at intervals of an hour one great spoonful if it be the will of jehovah she will recover within seven days i shall return again at the evening hour and stay here again his eye sought tabitha twere better to remove yon contentious woman from the apartment then bowing deeply he was about to leave the room when jairus stopped him with an imperious gesture good sir he demanded i would know what hath entered into the potion which she is to swallow the physician frowned and shook his head but finally said majestically tis not our custom to reveal the secrets of our craft but for thee i will even make exception know then that the draught which thou wilt find most wholesome containeth first the gall of a wild sow dissolved in vinegar second the ashes of a wolf's skull mingled with the fat of a viper and lastly and most important of all a stone taken from the head of a sea-eel caught at the time of the full moon this stone hath been powdered together with a portion of scorpion's legs and hath been known to be efficacious when taken alone but compounded as i have described maketh the nostrum of such rare virtue that without doubt the patient will speedily recover should she not recover it will be because of the folly of yonder woman so saying and again bowing profoundly he swept from the chamber followed by his slave when he had finally gone tabitha came forward and throwing herself upon her knees before her mistress sobbed out oh send me not away i will do anything if only i may remain surely i have not hurt the child thou knowest that the wet linen soothed her and how can the skin of the snake be better than cool fresh water hush tabitha said her mistress the tears running down her cheeks thou shalt stay indeed i could not do without thee but oh my husband what dost thou think of the draught i cannot bear to give it to her and that dreadful slimy skin 
I think this of it, said Jairus fiercely, rising and seizing the skin and the brazen vessel. He tossed them both out the window. If she must die, she shall die unpolluted with such vileness. Go on with thy nursing, Tabitha, and in thine own way. And do thou, Marissa, give orders to the porter not to admit that man when he cometh at evening. Stay, tell him to give the fellow this gold. But now the little patient, either because of the fright and agitation, or because of the progress of the disease, began to talk wildly. Now she fancied that she was in Jerusalem, and wandered on incoherently of the processions, the temple, the singing. Now she thought she was riding her mule, and that Titus was gathering great bunches of wild flowers for her. Presently she half raised herself in the bed, and, shading her eyes with her hand, cried out joyously, "'Oh, Titus, I see the master! He is coming through the meadow! See how the lilies bend as his garments pass over them! I shall speak with him at last!' Then she fell back upon her pillow, her voice again sinking into a low, incoherent murmur. But like a flash of light came the thought of the great healer to the despairing mother. Rising, she crossed the room to the window, before which stood her husband, his head bowed upon his breast, and laying her hand upon his arm, she half-whispered, My husband, in our terror we had forgotten the Nazarene. Could he not heal our child? Jairus started and turned toward his wife, a gleam of something like hope in his eyes. True, he said, we had most strangely forgotten. I believe that he and he alone can help us now. I will go at once and make inquiries concerning him. Benoni is even now waiting outside for orders. Titus was sitting motionless at the side of the fountain, his eyes fixed upon the door of the inner court. He had been there for hours, waiting for someone to come out. When, therefore, Benoni issued forth, prepared to do his master's bidding, Titus sprang forward to meet him. "'How doth our little lady fare?' he asked. "'Alas, I fear that she doth not mend. She will die unless she hath help, and that quickly. I am going forth to seek the Nazarene. We hope—' "'He is not here,' said Titus, in a tone of dull despair. "'This morning, when first I heard of her sickness, I sought Stephen, my brother, "'for he always knoweth the best thing to do, "'and he said at once, let us seek the master. "'We sought far and wide, and found at last that he had taken shipping yesterday "'to go to the other side of the lake. "'It may be that he hath gone away into Samaria, or even back to Jerusalem. "'I know not how we could find him.' "'Benoni looked grave, but at length he said, "'I must go forth, even as I was bidden.' It may be that he hath returned since the morning. Go if thou wilt, said Titus wearily, but Stephen was to keep watch and bring me word should the master return. He will not fail to do so. I also must go, said Benoni. But he returned within an hour, and his grave countenance showed that he had failed in his mission. End of chapter 13